inside of this perfectly wonderful world. We're past the point of just simply ER, it's ICU. So I was, and I was going, by this point, I was going in and out of consciousness. It, it was not good. I was very fortunate that I had a loving husband that was looking out for me. I was no longer able to advocate for myself because I was in and out of consciousness. Join Deborah E., multi-award-winning singer, podcaster, and speaker, who proves that being diagnosed with a life-changing illness as a child, along with countless hospitalizations and a family who told everyone she'd be dead before she reached puberty, does not have to stand in the way of life. The Diabetic Real Podcast and the content of its websites are presented solely for educational purposes, and the views and opinions expressed by guests are theirs alone. They do not necessarily reflect that of the host of the podcast. The content is not intended to substitute for professional medical diagnosis, advice, or treatment, ongoing or otherwise. Be sure to always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your healthcare. Okay, cooking insulin in the microwave for real? Yeah, I know. I couldn't resist as far as the title of this podcast, but the title came to me because, well, you know, it's a true story. And, um, there's a lot of things that a lot of stories and, and true stories I might have uh, that I have to share with you. But this one came to me today. I was having my nails done and was chatting with Tim and nice, bright Barbie pink nails, by the way. We were sitting there. He just looked at me. He goes, seriously, for real? And I said, well, I wasn't the one cooking my insulin. I wouldn't be that crazy. I mean, why? Okay. I will say that when I was young, and I would carry my insulin with me because, hey, wasn't when I wasn't feeling well, I wanted to take insulin so that I would feel better. And I realized that in the hot desert in California, the sun gets to the insulin and it breaks down the insulin and then the insulin doesn't work because, well, it gets cooked. So I knew that it's better if you keep the insulin at a nice temperature. Don't freeze it. Don't have it too cold but definitely don't have it out in the hot sun, don't have it in the desert, and yeah, uh, no duh, don't cook it in the microwave. Don't cook it in the oven. Don't. I mean, come on, this is common sense. Don't cook your insulin. So anyway, so of course I wasn't cooking it in the microwave. But anyway, so it turns out that somebody did cook my insulin, but I didn't know that because I would have stopped them I ended up in ICU, this was many years ago, and I was getting sicker and sicker, and I had, you know, this story for another time. I, forgive me, you'll get sick of hearing that, but I will tell you the stories. I will get there. I have so many different stories to share with you, so I will definitely share them with you. And I knew what it was to have high blood sugar. I knew what it was to almost die from high blood sugar. And that is definitely a story that you'll want to hear. Um, I knew what it was to be sick. I knew what it was to ask for help when you're getting very close to the end of your life because the blood sugar is too high. You're in diabetic ketoacidosis and insulin is not working. For whatever reason, your body has gone too far and you need the help of medical professionals. So I went to the hospital. They're looking at going, what on earth is going wrong? I mean, this this is like, we need IV. We need insulin going into this woman's body. 
we're past the point of just simply ER, it's ICU. So I was, and I was going, by this point, I was going in and out of consciousness. It, it was not good. I was very fortunate that I had a loving husband that was looking out for me. I was no longer able to advocate for myself because I was in and out of consciousness. The hospital had a lab, as most hospitals do. It was a, it was a fair-sized hospital in a fair-sized city. It was actually, um, this hospital was in the Phoenix area. And uh, the hospital thought this was so strange. I mean, they said, hey, is she taking her insulin? And my husband's like, of course she's taking her insulin. She wasn't feeling well. I mean, when, when her blood sugar is that high, of course she's taking her insulin. They said, we got to check this out. And they said, when it wasn't working, did she take insulin from a fresh bottle? And it's like, yes, she has had diabetes for decades. And that's one of the things you do. You know, if you take insulin and it's not working, go take insulin from a fresh bottle of insulin because it could be that the bottle you're using might have gone bad. It might have somehow been exposed to the sun for some reason or have gotten hot somehow. And so you get a fresh bottle. We'd done that. And that wasn't working. So the hospital said, you know what? Bring in all of your bottles of insulin. Well, at this point, I was already in ICU. The doctors were taking care of me. The nurses were taking care of me. So I was being taken care of. So my husband went home and he brought in all of the bottles of insulin that we had. And I don't know, 10 bottles, whatever it was. There, there's a you know, good chunk. The bottles were from different lots. So it's not like somehow in the manufacturing of the bottles, there was a bad lot. There wasn't anything that we could go after Eli Lilly and, and say, hey, you messed up. And they, they took it to the lab and they studied it and they said, you know what? We know what's wrong. My husband's what? How, how do you know what's wrong? I mean, these are, you told me these bottles are from different lots. They're from different batches. What's wrong? And they said, see this little, now I can't remember because of course I was unconscious. So now at this point I'm telling you what I understand from, from what my husband told me, but there's some kind of little red dot or something that, that pops when you put insulin in the microwave and cook it, it pops like this little red dot thing. And it's, it's in there specifically so you can tell when it's cooked in the microwave. Because you see, if you cook it, if you cook a bottle of insulin in the microwave too long, the thing basically blows up. I mean, and that's what I had heard. It's like, why would you put insulin in the microwave? It's got metal in this bottle, and it's going to cause a problem for the microwave, let alone the bottle. I mean, that, that oh, and of course the insulin. I mean, that, that's just, that is three times not something that you want to do. And you'd probably injure the human being putting it in there. But I guess it turns out you can put a bottle of insulin in the microwave and cook it for a small amount of time. And all it will do is damage the insulin, but the bottle won't blow up and the microwave won't blow up. And this is why they put this little mechanism in the bottle that will turn it red so that people can tell that that bottle of insulin has been tampered with so that they know 
that the insulin is bad. It's an easy way to tell without having to take the insulin into the lab and actually test the insulin. It's an easy way to tell that the insulin has been tampered with and has been put in the microwave and cooked. And it's because there have been nefarious people out there that have tried to harm diabetics by cooking insulin. (laughs) Go figure. You have nefarious criminal minds out there that try to harm diabetics. And so Eli Lilly and other companies have figured out a way to be able to demonstrate whether or not a bottle of insulin has been tampered with or not. Well, it turns out every single one of my bottles of insulin had been microwaved. Now, the question is, at that point, who had cooked my insulin? Well, I mean, the other question is, who would want to, who wanted me dead? Because, I mean, you'd, you don't cook insulin to get your jollies. Well, it certainly wasn't my husband, because there's easier ways to kill me. And besides that, we've been married another 20 years past that. I'm still alive, and we love each other dearly. But anyway, it wasn't my husband. Um, it wasn't our kids, because it's not like a one-year-old was going to toddle over there. She barely could walk, let alone the microwave was above the stove, and it's not like she could climb up there or push the buttons on one of those, you know, touch screen kind of things on the microwave. She couldn't open the door on the microwave. I mean, how how can a kid even use the microwave? She'd never use the microwave. And besides that, a child of one is going to end up blowing up the microwave before she's able to figure out how many minutes to do it to tamper with the insulin without blowing herself up. So it's not the child doing it. It's not the husband doing it. I'm certainly not going to cook my insulin. Do you know how painful it is to die from diabetic ketoacidosis? I'd been there before. I, I'd be further ahead to ask somebody for a gun and shoot my head. I mean, come on. I'm not suicidal. But still, that is a painful way to die, to die from diabetic ketoacidosis. I'm not going to sit there and cook my insulin. But there had been two people in our house, actually three if you want to count my friend's baby, but we're talking toddler here. And it's not like a toddler did it. So she's out of the running. But that was my trusted friend. There was no reason that I had not to trust this friend or her husband. I'm just telling the story as it is. I certainly do not mean any ill harm against her, but it happens to be that friend and her husband. So this friend and her husband had been at our house, and it just so happens we were headed out to church with our kids, and it was like, hey, uh, are you going to church with us? No. Okay, well what are we doing? And they just wanted to hang around. And we were thinking, you're acting a little bit peculiar. We're not just going to leave you at our house. We we're trying to figure out what they're doing. And they were being very, very strange. So it was like, all right, either you go home or you come to church with us, but we're not leaving you in our house unattended. We, we just knew that some, the vibe was off. We weren't going to leave them in our house unattended. Now, normally, family, friends, people you trust, you can leave them in your house. But we knew something was off, so we we didn't want to leave them unattended. But we left them unattended enough to go pack our kids in, in the car and ready for church. And 
that seems to be the window when the the insulin was was cooked. Now that's just by process of elimination. Those were the only adults in the house. The FBI warranted that that's who cooked the insulin. But of course, as you know, the law cannot just assume that that's who did it because maybe, you know, the neighbor snuck in the house in the middle of the night and did it or something. I mean, you can't prove that some other person didn't do it. Of course, we know no one else was in our house, but because we didn't actually see this person cook it, she wasn't put in jail. But the FBI said, stay away from her, because that actually was not the only time that that an attempt was made on my life. Um, The FBI came to me. Oh, yeah. Did I mention the FBI? Oh, yeah. The hospital actually run, they ran the tests on the insulin, and then they called the FBI, and the FBI came and talked to us, and they said, yeah, by the way, this isn't the only time that an attempt has been made on your life, and this friend of yours is actually involved in all that. And uh, you should probably stay away. Yeah, so uh, it's a little tricky to absolutely prove unless we saw them, but considering there were three attempts by uh, this person on my life and my husband's, um, but mostly on my life, the FBI just said, stay away from her because we have evidence that she has made attempts on your life. So they actually offered us WITSEC. That was kind of interesting, but we didn't want WITSEC. So it was uh, put to us to just simply make sure that we stayed away from her. And so that's what we did. Um, yeah, I told you at the beginning of this series that we had some interesting uh, autobiographical stories, like five books worth each. So anyway, um, yes, cooking insulin in the microwave. And uh, fortunately, that hospital saw me through it, and I did not die of diabetic ketoacidosis that day. I lived through that one. So you never know. Even though you think that somebody is your friend or you think that because someone is related to you that you're safe, make sure you always keep a keen eye on your surroundings to make sure you stay safe. And keep those that love you close because they're pretty special. This is Deborah E. signing off on Diabetic Real. Thank you for listening to this episode of Diabetic Real. For more information about this podcast, as well as links and fun stuff related to Diabetic Real, visit us on our website at diabeticreal.com. Now we'll listen as Deborah E. herself sings one of her favorite songs. The song is called Perfectly Wonderful World, written by Denny Martin and Jamie Paul, Engineered by me, (laughs) of course, your host, Michael, in our Seaside Records studio here in lovely Los Angeles, California. 
It was on the number one Reverb Nation charts for over a year and still charts very well. So have a pleasant moment and listen to Perfectly Wonderful World. Yes, I'm living inside. 